You're listening to Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show. Let's get ready, Trumbo! And here he is, the head cheese meister. It's Spud Goodman. Greetings, Anadar Ola. My name, you know, if you accidentally landed on this thing you're, you're now listening to, is Spud Goodman. <laughs> the Spud Man. <laughs> and welcome to Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show Podcast. If you are at this moment like an intentional or unintentional listener, we, we don't discriminate. We don't freaking care. We'll accept any and all listeners. Uh, on this one, we'll be doing a, a complete autopsy of episode 106, the dog person episode that first aired on 3-17-2016. It uh, was chock full of interesting stuff, if I could say that. Yeah, like the guests were, you know, they included actor Christopher Maloney from the show Law & Order, Oz on HBO, and a bunch of other ones. Uh, actor Ben Feldman from Superstore, Mad Men, and Silicon Valley. And along with musical guest Fly Moon Royalty, who are really talented. Uh, so this is a good one. And let's just get this thing s- started, you know? So let me bring on our designated laugh for my Aunt Dorothy. Uh, I'm going to go easy on you uh, this early, so just just give us just a simple little snicker, if you would. Oh, here you go. <laughs> oh, that's about all I can muster up right now, Spud. It'll have to do. It was fine, okay? It was fine, but but don't think I'll always go for low energy, you know, um, whatever that was, because um, there are times when I'm going to need some top-shelf laughing. Yeah? Well, okay. Well, whatever. Well, just saying. Uh, now I'm supposed to acknowledge our temporary permanent co-host, Gerald Holcomb. Uh, this is your moment to shine. You have 12 to 14 seconds to fully express yourself before I bring on our intern chant. Uh, I, I think I can make it work within those timelines. Uh, of course, I would like more to work with, but I understand uh, that. I'm... That's really a waste of your allotted 12 to 14 seconds of airtime. That wasn't yeah. the whole. Because now I need to introduce Chance, our, our intern. You know, uh, Chance, your title on the show isn't really reflective of the duties you now perform. You know, when we were doing the radio show, you actually did do some actual work, you know, like basic intern stuff. But now, you know, that we've been doing this podcast, you've been quite become quite the slacker. OK, I just said it. It's very disappointed. Very disappointing. I think that this is your way of telling me something. Well, my popularity on the old radio show kind of propelled me into what is now the featured position on this podcast. Yeah. You don't have the most popular person on a program doing basic intern stuff. That ship sailed a long time ago. Just be grateful I still participate on this dinky little project. It's only because the love of my life, Dorothy, has asked me to stay with it until after our wedding. Hey, Aunt Dorothy, does that mean you both will be quitting You know, after the honeymoon? I, I would like at least a year or so warning before I have to fill your positions. Um, well, I haven't made up my mind yet if I'll continue with this thing after Chance and I are married. It's possible I could carve out a bit of time to stay with the podcast. Right now, it's just too early to tell. A lot depends on the career opportunities that are awaiting my sweetie chance. Yeah, I have big plans ahead. Let's just go with that. Right. Well, anyway, right now, let, let's start this look back at the dog person episode. Uh, with the opening segment of that one, I, I think our then-designated laugher, Gina, was questioning my listening skills after you know opening the show. Well, if I'm now allowed to actually say something, I felt then, and I continue to feel now, that, Spud, you are a horrible listener, which is problematic given that you're the host of a talk show interviewing celebrity guests. Hey, Bud, what's your problem? Hey, if great listening skills were so important, how do you explain the 14 seasons your hero, Donald Trump, you know, who, when he, who hosted that Dumbass show, The Apprentice. He never listened to anyone back then, and, and sure as hell hasn't since. You know he crashed the political scene. I know using him as an example sets the bar below the Earth's surface. I'm a very stable genius. But still, I, 
I think I myself, I'm a pretty darn good listener, compared to him at least. I don't think so. Yes, but you are a very poor listener. You always have been enamored with the sound of your own voice. Others, not so much. Uh, hey, let's just play some of the opening segment, okay? Jeez. Dave, roll it. Okay, maybe not Hello, you can! I'll maybe stand behind it, but I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. With me is our designated laugher, Gina. So how you doing? Okay, do you really want to know, Spud? I mean, yeah. do you really want to know? Well, I, I'm assuming this is just another weak attempt to sound like you are engaging in a meaningful conversation with me. I mean, do you actually want to know how my day went? I mean, sure, I do. I mean, I mean, not every single detail. Like, you know, if you burnt the toast for breakfast or if the baby's digestive system is more regular nowadays, some stuff I'm just going to pass on. I'll be upfront with you. Right, you know, just as I thought. So I'm wonderful, okay? Well... I hope you're still going to be able to perform your duties as our designated laugher here because you just don't seem to be in the mood. Hey, I am a professional and I will be there for you until we sign off. Dinner is served. Good to hear. All right. How about a chuckle at least though before I get going here? (laughs) Did that work for you? Yeah, sure, I guess. You know, I I was going to share this with our listeners tonight. I'm thinking of getting another dog. You you know, my last dog, Fred, (laughs) passed away. You know, almost a year ago now. Oh, yeah. I'm not supposed to have dogs at my apartment now. You know, some new rule they put in or something, but that's not going to stop me. (laughs) You know, but you really should consider getting a cat instead. They are much easier to take care of. We have two cats at our house, Binky and Minky. I got to tell you, the kids love them to death. That's just super. Um, You know, I'm more of a dog guy. Nothing against cats, but they don't interact with me like... I'm the most important thing in the world. Well. You know, cats look at me like women. You know, look at me, basically, you know, total ambivalence and borderline revulsion. Yes! You just haven't been around the right cat. I've had my sissy, she's a Siamese, for almost 12 years, and she's never left my side. I mean, totally devoted to me. Yeah, but I think cats have a thing for women, but they just mess with guys' heads, (laughs) toying with them. Like, one day they, you know, you think they actually like you, and and the next day they shun you like you're embarrassing them or something. (laughs) You know, I, I think one can tell a great deal about another person when you learn what kind of pet they choose to have in their lives. Like you, Spud, as a dog person, I see you more of a dachshund kind of guy. You mean me one day owning a dachshund? Well, yeah. A wiener dog? Really? Well, my wife and I, we feel people are closely associated with the kind of pet they have in their lives. Oftentimes, they resemble the breed. You know, maybe not physically, but in behavior traits for sure. But you just strike me as a dachshund. (laughs) Thanks a lot, man. I see myself, you know, more as a German shepherd. You know, like vigilant at all times. I don't know. You know, you strike me as a chihuahua. You know, all bark and no bite. Yeah, I got to play some music right now. So anyway, I got to get going here. The chihuahua tag is right on the money. I mean, with maybe a little bit of a Pomeranian. I strongly disagree, though. Honestly, we've had a few chihuahuas over the years before we settled on cats. Well, let me just play this song right now. All right. Uh, this would probably be a good time to publicly announce for the first time that since that episode aired back in 2016, regretfully, Minky, the other half of our dynamic duo, passed away last year. I failed to mention this on our radio show as I didn't want to sadden our listeners. Yes, Minky tried to swallow one of my golf balls, and even after many attempts at the Heimlich Maneuver, sadly, I couldn't dislodge the ball. So right now in the Holcomb family uh, home, Binky is ruling the roost alone. We hope soon to add another cat, and I'll keep our listeners up to date on this situation. Yeah, thanks, I guess. And, and no pet owners should be leaving stray golf balls on the floor out, or, you know, so so they can be like they're a dangerous object. That is reckless. Yes. Jeez, I, I was just working on my putting game in the hallway, and well, I, I guess I left one under the end table. Minky always loved playing with my golf balls, and I would have to be aware if any of them were not accounted for when I was done, you know, putting in the hallway there. Well, obviously, you weren't uh, on this fatal occasion. Well, no. You know, his blood uh, is on your hands, okay? Come on. And, and you're lucky you weren't charged with a felony or something. Yes, Gerald. 
pet owners need to be held responsible. Yeah, well, yeah, but listen, there there was no blood, you guys. Uh, Minky died from suffocation. That's a horrible way to go, Gerald. What a douche. Uh, you know, I, I'm sort of now regretting bringing up the passing of Minky. This has gone in a very different direction than I had envisioned. Well, I can tell you, I have never had any dogs of mine over the years choke on a freaking golf ball. J- just another reason why that activity and, and its balls uh, should be banned. Notice that I did not call golf a sport, because it's not. Yeah, golf sucks. Real athletes play hacky sack. Now that is a sport that requires real athletic ability. No, you haven't. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Honey, you are the best hacky sack player I've ever seen in action. I don't think Spud is aware of how talented you are in this sport. Um, Again, I don't know if hacky sack is an actual sport. Okay, I, I'm going to have to give totally that for the spot. Well, well, right now, let's move on to my interview with actor Christopher Maloney. Um, This guy's been on so many TV shows over the years, not not just Law & Order, there's so many of them. Uh, Dave, roll the interview. Please welcome actor Christopher Maloney to the show. Thanks for calling in. Hey, my pleasure. All right, super. Well, let me, you know, say first that you have a new show, Underground, now airing Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. 9 Central on the WGN America Network. Yeah, so, and so on the show, your character, August Pullman, is a conflicted, you know, man who's not an obvious good guy or bad guy. You know, as the masses seem to prefer their TV characters pre-digested and clearly identified for their viewing pleasure, was, you know, was this role a pleasant challenge? Yeah, you know, I, I, really one of the reasons why I signed on, you know, I I think that, uh, Everybody in this drama is not who they seem to be at face value, and uh, that went doubly for my character. So, uh, you know, I was I was immediately intrigued, and uh, I thought it was uh, you know ripe for uh, for making this character go to even better places as the season progressed. Right. Well, the the topic or the you know underlying theme of the show is in a, in a historical sense uh, deals with with slavery, the practice of slavery in this country. You know, our, our troubled history and race relations continues to this day. What what do you and the producers, among them, uh, musician John Legend, hope the show brings to the ongoing public discussion? Well, you know, and well, I think you, I think you hit it. You know, I think at its highest iteration, we're hoping just simply that uh, a dialogue is created because uh, to pretend that uh, the issue of race is solved or there are no issues about it even today, uh, I, I think is uh, not to be living in reality. Right. So, you know, I, I think uh, first and foremost, you know, we, we are presenting this because it's riveting entertainment. We, we feel, um, you know, that Joe and Misha, the head writers, wrote the hell out of this piece. Uh, all the actors, they had great stuff to work with, um, and it was a great journey. And, um, you know, so I think first and foremost, we just want to entertain people. And then afterwards, and I think there will be this, there will be some kind of dialogue and then some sort of uh, examination because, you know, you know, then as today, it's not a black-white issue. It's a human issue. It's people coming together no matter, you know, what your color and solving a moral issue, right? Calling on your conscience right. to see, you know, what it's saying to you. So you know, it's, it's what Martin Luther King said. You know, the content of your character, not the color of your skin. Right. You know? Yes. Well. All right. Well, I'm kind of under orders from my executive producer to at least ask one, just one question about your 12 seasons on Law and Order. So here goes. Did it get boring playing the same character, Elliot Stabler, each week for like 12 years? Well, did they at least give you an uh, eye watch? Did they give you an eye watch after the tenth season? <laughs> no. All right. Super. Uh, All right. <laughs> Just had to ask. Uh, had to ask. Yeah, I know you did. I, I'm not going <laughs> to. I'm not going to answer it. <laughs> you know, I feel. I feel as though you presented the third rail for me and asked me to step on it. I'm not going to say anything about it. <laughs> All right. All right. Super. Hey, Spud. 
It, what? You know, it was probably not a smart thing to ask Christopher about his many years on Law & Order Special Victims Unit. That is in the past, and he clearly wants to focus on what's in the future with his career. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right for once. If it was me, I guess I wouldn't dig it if someone would ask me about my old cable TV show instead of this radio show I'm doing now. Well, he seemed to handle it okay, but just be aware of it during the rest of the interview. I know, but I do have a, a couple more questions about what the craft services food was like on the show, and mm. if he got to solve crimes with the police on his own time, given how much experience he had, you know, doing the program. Man, 12 years is a long time to play a cop, so he must have picked up a lot of stuff that could help with cases. Spud, it's make-believe. He is not a real cop. Yeah, but didn't Steven Seagal and even Shaquille O'Neal get to be real cops and arrest people? I think if you have what it takes while being a celebrity, they'll let you be like a trainee or something. I don't think that's how law enforcement works. You have to go to an academy and be trained. Well, maybe celebrities get a pass as they're too busy to go to any academy. But whatever, let me get back to Christopher, please. Well, your your role of Chris Keller on Oz was pretty intense. Do you, do you think you guys on that show should be credited with giving birth to Lock Up, that thing that fills up an entire weekend of programming on MSNBC and, of course, Orange is the New Black? Because, you know, now I, I, Oz kind of proved that people dig all things prison-related. That's funny. Now, you know what I always, you know what I always thought about Oz? When HBO would uh, go uh, get on the air and say, groundbreaking, and, you know, go through their litany of what HBO is about. I always thought to myself, Oz, that's what Oz was, is. Oz was the groundbreaking. And I say that because you know, I felt as though it was a Greek tragedy. You know, you'd have the guy, the guy in the wheelchair, Harold Pernod, just like a, the Greek chorus, you know, presenting uh, moral and uh, philosophical aspects of what you were about to see. And all of a sudden you would see this intense brutality. So... I thought it was just a different way of storytelling. So uh, I was always very proud of Oz. That was a hell of a show, yes. I totally agree. Well, Christopher, looking back at your career, besides the dramatic stuff, you've also shown the public you have a comedic side also, like from the great Wet Hot American Summer and the prequel um, with most of the original cast on Netflix to the Harold Harold and Kumar films and to Dirty Movie uh, to a brief and also, you know, I thought a really funny role as the fitness trainer on the HBO series Veep. You got skills in this area, man. You got major skills. So I just wanted to throw that out. Thanks for saying. Uh, I don't know. I've uh, I've always had a good time. I've been very blessed with the, the comedic offerings. Um, I always find them um, just you know interesting to tackle because there there are a million ways to go at it. And uh, you know, I've been blessed with the, the great projects and great people to play off of. Right. All right. Well, I'm gonna hit you with a. I know this might sound uh, somewhat uh, lame, but uh, this is your life. In, in high school, you were the quarterback on your undefeated 1978 football team and later inducted into the school's Hall of Fame. So here's my question. Um, would you now rather be a director calling the shots, or are you still okay running the plays of other QB1s on screen? What's the future, maybe, you know, in terms of the future? Ah, that's interesting. Yeah, I have... Uh I have uh, aspirations of directing. I think uh, there's a lot of fun involved in that. There's a lot of time. There's a you know huge commitment, and uh, you know I think that's where I, I run into things because I uh, I enjoy spending a lot of time with my kids. So uh, yeah, we'll see. At some point, uh, I'd like to do more directing. All right, super. And uh, on the on the first part of that. Uh, how satisfying was that to get inducted into the Hall of Fame? I mean, that's that's pretty special, right? Yeah, for, well, and but also let me say, the whole team was inducted, but because I was uh, one of the captains, I was the one who gave the speech. So, uh, yeah, but it was the whole team, and, uh, you know, it was, it was nice. You know, it's a nice little honor there. Yeah, I mean, uh, they don't have those for especially, man. Especially to go in with, especially to go in with all, all of the guys. Right. That's, that's what you know, Right. You know, they don't have those for managers, so I, I, I really haven't experienced that yet. But anyway, all right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with my stock and well-worn question. Uh, what was your most memorable moment, uh, you know, in your life? And in this case, let's just narrow it down to while participating as a contestant on Celebrity Jeopardy on November 10th, 2006, which, of course, you crushed your fellow contestants. Yes, what's the question? Well, how memorable was that? I mean, was that like a, a peak, is. a highlight in your life? Yeah, you know what was funny about that is that uh, they do a run-through session. Yeah. You play a whole game, 
before the cameras roll just so you can get kind of the rhythm. Really? And maybe knock out the nerves. Yeah, I mean, Alex Trebek isn't there or anything, but they run the whole show. So you get, you know, you, you do a, a pregame warm-up. Heroes and players, let's and play double jeopardy. I, I kept buzzing in too quickly. And so when you buzz in, when you buzz in before the answer's been read, you lock up your little clicker there for a second or two. So I kept, you know, I, was, I, was, I didn't have the correct rhythm. So I got my ass kicked. Well, you obviously learned. So they thought I was really stupid. Yeah, you're a quick learner because I, I got my rip. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you crushed your fellow cast members, right? You had uh, who, who else was on? Okay. It's all rhythm, baby. Oh, uh, really? It was uh, yeah, Katie Irby and Sam Washington. All right, super. Were there any? Was there any bad blood afterwards on set? Uh, just curious. Uh, yeah, Katie was a little angry with me. All right, all right, super. Yeah, she was cursing at me. I want to thank you very much for checking in with us. My pleasure. Thank you. All right, Mr. Christopher Maloney. You know, Spud, how awesome would it be if the staff from the Spud Goodman Show was invited on to Celebrity Jeopardy? The answer is... You know, we would all compete against each other like Christopher and his fellow cast members. Hmm... Well, besides myself, of course, I, I don't think a temporary co-host would ever be invited on Celebrity Jeopardy, man. I mean, maybe our intern here, Chance, might be asked because he's supposed to be so darn popular. It, well, it's it's temporary permanent co-host, and I know I would be such a good Jeopardy player. My wife, Rachel, and I never miss an episode of Jeopardy. Even the kids watch it with us. If you're a regular viewer of Jeopardy, how come you're not smart? I mean, like even sort of smart. D dumb people don't watch Jeopardy, dude. I would kill everyone if I was ever invited to be on Jeopardy. You know, I have an IQ of over 150. Yeah, I don't believe that, Chance. Uh, that's fake news for sure. Uh, it's all fake news. Well, I've seen a document Chance had from high school where it said... His IQ was in the high achiever level. Well, what the hell is he doing interning on some little radio show and now podcast? No way he has an IQ over, say, uh, I don't know, 85 tops, not 150. No way. You know, I myself don't believe in those IQ tests. They're not to be believed, in, in my opinion. I mean, I was told that I have an IQ of 68. Can you believe that? The testing, it, it's not to be relied on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, 68 sounds realistic for you. I mean, maybe it's no. inflated a bit even. Um, and they, they should have done like a do-over just to make sure it was accurate and, and they didn't round it up or something. <laughs> but anyway, right, right now we're going to air my interview with, you know, and the live performance of our musical guests from this episode, uh, Fly Moon Royalty. Uh, Dave, hit it. All right. It's musical guest interview time. Please greet our musical guest tonight. It is Fly Moon Royalty. Hey, please introduce yourselves and give us your sign while you're at it, if you could. I'm Audra, and I'm an Aquarius. All right, super. My name is Mike. I'm a Gemini. All right. Well, let's get into this. The new record, Delicious Trouble, is being released on April 22nd, and you have a big blowout uh, that night planned at Chop Suey in Seattle, Washington. And I take it then you're going to be all over the place down the road, right? Absolutely. All right, super. So you excited about the new record? Yes. So, 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 so excited. Okay. All right. Sending the baby to college. Well, yeah. Um, well, you've, you've taken a bit from a few different genres and tossed them into a blender for the Fly Moon Royalty sound. Uh, how would you guys describe it? Kind you, of. You can do it. Um, I like to call it indie soul mm. because it's, you know, it's soul however we want to do it. All right. Super. Uh, what are the long-term goals of Fly Moon Royalty? World domination. I was giving you, I teed that up for you. <laughs> All right. Um, so what's the band's formal position on magicians? A too cute by a lot or an amazing art form? Uh, you, lo uh, you lost me on uh, magicians. What was the second part of the question? Do you guys dig them or do they get on your nerves, basically, is what I'm saying? Oh, no, I think it's a great art form. It's a, it's a majestic, nuanced craft. All right. I like that. That was deep. Okay. Okay. So what's the name of the first song? And is there a backstory to it at all? First song is Grown Man. No backstory. Just grown. Just grown feelings. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> 
is the Spud Goodman Show. I was a real fan of Fly Moon Royalty. I don't know if they're still doing live shows, but if they are, you know, I recommend people go check them out. Okay, yeah. So let's move on to a segment featuring our show's resident psychic, uh, Ted Marr. On this one, I hit him up about the dogs in my life over the years, you know, the ones that, that have passed away. And let me just state this for the record, none of them uh, by suffocating on an Aaron golf ball, okay? Uh, yeah. All right, please say hello to our show's resident psychic, Ted Marr. How you doing? Fine, but it's great to talk to you today. Yeah, uh, well, I wanted to know, as we were talking about uh, animals on the show tonight, I-, I wanted to know if I could, you know, ask you to check in with all the dogs I've had in my life over the years. I really miss them, and it'd be nice to know if they're all right, you know, living on that other side. You know... Once they pass over, uh, dogs and cats and all kinds of pets, they, they're, they're with you for the rest of your life, Spud. Super. And actually, all of your dogs are with you. And one of them now is licking your face. Can you feel that? Ah, uh, well, yeah. Maybe maybe if I'm sleeping, I could feel it. But I'm really good with those dreams that almost seem real. You can kind of feel stuff. But, hey, uh, well, I, I, if that's the case, I'd like you to say hey to Fred and, oh, yeah, Liberty, uh, Sid, Elvis, and Gracie, too. Uh, how are they doing? Oh, they're fine. They're fine. You know, they go with you everywhere you go. When you go shopping, they're with you. Uh, when you're driving, they're with you. Um, and, and often when you're sleeping, they're with you, too. And one of the funny things that happened to me the other day is that one of my wonderful cats, uh, who's in the spirit world now, came across and started walking on my bed, and I could feel him coming up to me, and he sat right on my on my chest. Wow. That must have been kind of... Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, kind of uh, eerie, wasn't it? Or were you, you were prepared for it, or...? Well, it happened years ago, and I know they're, they're around me, so it doesn't really bother me. At, at first, it was kind of shocking because I was asleep. Yeah, <laughs> and for I sure. could feel, this, feel, feel my furry friend walking across the bed to me. Um, but once you get used to it, it's, it's fine. You know, it's, easy, it's as easy for me, for example, to talk to spirits on the other side uh, and animals, too, as it is for me to talk to you here in this dimension. Wow. Well, I mean, I love love all my dogs that I've had over the years, but I hope they don't, if I'm sleeping and it's a really, really good dream, if you know what I'm saying here, uh, I hope they don't wake me up or anything because, you know, it's, they're, they're kind of, you know, they're very special to me, those dreams. Say, Spud, could you please ask Ted about a couple of our deceased cats? We, or, or I should say my wife, Rachel, really misses them. Look, I'm not going to hit Ted up to check up on everyone in the studio. You know, they're, they're dead pets. Oh. Um, that would take him forever. Well, how about just one then? Uh, his name was Jasper, and he was a calico. Right. He was kind of an ornery one, but she really had a special relationship with that cat. I can't, in good conscience, ask Ted a cat question. I'm sorry about that. Let me get back to him. Anyway, uh, well, let me ask you this. Do they still have to have, like, a current license and up-to-date shots on that other side, too? Because hopefully the vets are free, you know, there, because they cost me a ton of money over the years here. <laughs> No, they don't need it on the other side, Spud. They they live off love and light, seriously. And if you send them lots of love, they feed off of that on the other side. Well, that's you know that's really really good to hear because uh, you know I love dogs, I love all animals, but uh, it's really nice to know that that they're all with me as I speak, right? So it's very cool. Absolutely, and they'll they'll be with you for the rest of your life and beyond too. All right, there you have it. Well, uh, that's very comforting to me, and I, I'm hoping also to our listeners out there. So, Ted, I want to thank you so much once again for uh, enlightening us all, okay? My pleasure. The animals are always part of the circle of love around all of us. All right, super. Mr. Ted Marr. Uh, Gerald, can I ask if your dead cat, Jasper, uh, also choked on some errant object of yours way back? No, no. He he died peacefully in his sleep at the age of 17, if you must know. Jasper was an amazing cat. I don't know if I would ever ask you to take care of any of my pets, Gerald. You know, if Dorothy and I had to go out of town for something, you're not to be trusted with the lives of innocent animals. 
You, you guys, stop it. I am a very responsible pet owner. Not only are you a hot dog, a grandstander, a showboat, and a prima donna, but you're a liar, too. And yes, I would be more than happy to look after any of your pets, Chance, if need be. Right now, I only have a goldfish, so I won't be asking you for any help. Hubert is pretty self-sufficient, at least for a few days. He's fine on his own. And I've grown to love Hubert, too, sweetie. He's an adorable fish. Yeah, okay, anyway. Let, let, let's run a bit of our uh, in-studio conversation back then about pets and stuff. Dave, hit it. You know, Spud, I, I just wanted to say unequivocally that I possess no traits of a chihuahua, okay? I resent the implications that the label implies. I'm an alpha male, Spud. Oh, really? <laughs> you, you may not see that side of me here, but in my sales position at South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum, Ugh. I am known as the killer when it comes to closing time. When you have to close the store at night? Just you? And, <laughs> no. and why would anyone say that about you? Because, you know, I, I seriously doubt you have ever killed another human being. No, cl closing, like in sales, I, I'm a highly skilled closer. <laughs> th those same skills would be very useful here on this show as co-host, but of course, I continue to be underutilized. <laughs> I'm sorry, Gerald, but I just don't see you as a closer. Well, I, I, I bet you have to bring in the store manager just to close the big deal. Yeah, for no. sure. Like when the whales come in to buy a buttload of shag carpeting <laughs> for a whole house. I mean, I know they bring in you know the big shot, the head guy or whatever to close, right? Now, I'm not saying you don't rack up a lot of sales for like carpet shampoo or deodorizer, but Chihuahuas no. don't lead the pack in anything. <laughs> I don't yeah. think it's going to happen. Neither do Pomeranians. You know, I have to say, though, That's, you may have stumbled yeah. onto something here with this dog-human connection thing. Um, yeah. I was thinking of some of the guests we've had on and what breed they would, you know, be simpatico with. Like, don't you think Andy Dick syncs up as like a Jack Russell Terrier and <laughs> Gilbert Gottfried, you know, maybe as a basset hound, a really, <laughs> really cranky basset hound? Oh, and yeah. how about Kathy Griffin as a schnauzer? Yeah. I mean, that totally works. Yeah, I guess. And how about Howie Mandel as a, a shih tzu, like a very neurotic shih tzu? <laughs> uh, uh, can, I, can I jump in with one? What about Larry the Cable Guy as a Bernese mountain dog? Yeah. Oh, shut up. Uh, no. Uh, no. You know, Gina, if you crossed Rob Schneider with Jeff Foxworthy, you might get a Staffordshire Bull Terrier. What do you think? Mm, well, maybe what if you crossed Crispin Glover with John Waters? Uh, how about a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel? Yeah? yeah you know, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, um, hey, we got to get back to the show anyway, so... Well, first of all, you are a total chihuahua, and you were or are dreaming uh, when we did this episode, okay? Call, calling yourself an alpha male and, and a closer. Uh, don't you still share a Facebook page with your wife? And uh, she hasn't approved you as an admin for the page, so you can't post anything yourself, right? Uh, well, yes, Rachel does the posting on our joint Facebook page. I, I believe she just hasn't gotten around to approving me uh, to be able to post anything just yet. And by the way, that has nothing to do with me not being an alpha male, Spud. I was born an alpha, and that's why I'm such a successful closer at my other place of employment, South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. South Seattle Carpet and Linoleum. You're about as much of an alpha male as my parents' dog, Jimbo. He only humps couches. No interest in sex with living beings. Oh, no. One's sexual lust has nothing to do with its male powers. Come on, yo. Your Jimbo might just be confused romantically, but he could still be a strong alpha male dog at the same time. You know, Chance, life is complicated. Um, hmm. If you say so, Gerald, uh, I really think we should move on to another topic, as this one is making me just a bit uncomfortable. Yeah, okay. I think my interview with actor Ben Feldman is next. I, I don't know about any of you guys, but I, myself, was a, was a huge fan of his last series, Superstore. You know, it was, had a great cast, and Ben was very good in it. Uh, yeah, it was a lot lighter than his work uh, on Mad Men, you know, that AMC series. Um, you know, at, at their big box store, uh, in uh, I think it was Cloud Nine, no, no one was abusive towards women like at that, like, Sterling Cooper Draper Price ad agency in the 60s on Mad Men. Uh, I mean, 
Jesus, if I was a woman in that era, I would have committed multiple homicides at work. Those guys were total dicks. Well, as someone who started her career in the late 60s, I can attest that men in that era were quite often very disgusting. We're not there yet, but some progress in the workplace has come about, thank God. I know from my experience in the, that the world does not need any more alpha males. Have a toast for the Except pretend ones in pro wrestling. Dorothy and I love watching WWE wrestling. And yes, there are many male wrestlers who behave in a somewhat inappropriate manner. I think their testosterone levels are just too darn high. Uh, guys, the topic is Ben Feldman, not pro wrestling. You know, he's a very versatile actor with the drama and comedy thing. Dave, run, run the interview if you would. All right, please say hello to actor Ben Feldman, who is currently starring on the NBC sitcom Superstore. Hey, Sp Spudden, I'm doing good. All right. Well, Superstore is the creation of executive producer Justin Spitzer, who previously worked on some show called The Office. Is that correct? Uh, I, I haven't heard of it. I'm not familiar, no. Yeah, right. Well, is it me? Is it me, or is there some Pam and Jim action going down on Superstore with your character Jonah and America Ferrera's Amy? Is that? Is it I me? have heard that. I've heard that comparison. It's funny, we, we hear, you know, you hear a lot of Office, especially because Justin, you know, was over there, and, and, and we definitely have some similarities, but we don't notice it until we're on the air and other people start, start you know, we start hearing that back. When, when we're on set, it's just sort of these characters, but yeah, there's a, there's a similar dynamic, for sure. Well, if so, I was just going to say this, you know it's going to take many seasons before Jonah gets to uh, consummate that relationship with Amy, so you're going to get close, <laughs> you're going to get close, but mostly you're going to get blocked so i just i just want to tell you it's going to get kind of frustrating just a heads up all right just, yeah no no i'm 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 ready i'm ready for the frustration she's married so there's a pretty big roadblock there in the in the middle of that in in that path i know i took it up a notch because i think pam was just engaged so yeah you got yeah anyway all right um <laughs> well now i know you're under strict orders to never divulge storylines to the media and i, I think i'm you know, I am, in fact, part of the media. I think I am. I have to double-check that. But <laughs> what, what exactly was the threatened punishment if you spilled the beans while working on Mad Men? Because I heard Matthew Weiner was more intense than the NSA. Were you under, like, constant oh, surveillance? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was... That's, they'll, they'll never, I don't think, be a part of something that secretive again. In my, I can't imagine anybody's going to trust me to be on something that secretive. But that was, uh, that was a couple years of me just looking over my shoulder at all times. And, you know, anybody who talked to me in, in real life or in the press, you, you just you start stuttering the second they start asking you questions about Mad Men. Huh. Uh, I was, did the, were the scripts like encrypted uh, in uh, like, like tablets and they would disappear at a certain window at um, time? How, how did you get to take the scripts home? You're honestly not that far off. First of all, they're watermarked, so your name is written all over every single page of the script. So if anything ever were to happen to that particular copy, everyone would know it started with you. But um, that was only as a when you're a regular. I became a regular on Mad Men, but my first year I was a guest star. And when you're a guest star, you don't even get you don't even get the scripts. You you get copies of the scenes that you're in, like the night before the table read, and then you show up to the table read, and you're not even given your own script you were given there was a stack of scripts with numbers on them and you had to sign them in and out wow Dang. Yeah, at the end of the table read, you'd have to sign your, you'd have to return the script, hand it to someone, and then they would write down the number of your script uh, and that it was safely returned. Oh no! Oh, gosh, well, all right, Spud. I hope the situation on the Madman set will not cause you to increase security levels here in the studio with this well, show. Well, it's already unbearable, at least for me. I seem to attract by far the highest degree of scrutiny. I will not apologize for the current security practices implemented on this show. I work very hard each week, and I will not allow class material to suddenly appear on Facebook or Instagram prior to when we go on the air. First of all, that's called promotion. But for a co-host to be denied a show schedule? Well, it's flat out wrong. Well, your, your paranoia for the security of your intellectual property, it's out of control. Hey, this is going out now over the air, you know this. Yeah. You can kiss off any chance of ever working with Matthew Weiner for any post-Madman project that he's working on right now. Well, I'm not an actor, so that really yeah, would okay. not concern me. Yeah, okay, that's probably true, whatever. Just let me get back to Ben. You know, I know he'd have my back on this one. He gets it. Just hold it down as I have to finish this thing. All right, Ben, where was I? 
Um, <laughs> do you plan for Superstore to last seven seasons too? Because that'd be some nice residual money, man. <laughs> do I plan for it? Yeah. yeah I, I don't know how much sway my uh, my planning has on uh, the American audience or, or the NBC, but yeah, that that wouldn't be a, a terrible situation. I don't right, think. Well, that's something to shoot for. All right. Well, let's talk about some of the other cool shows you've been involved with. <clears throat> First of all, you, you appeared on Children's Hospital and Adult Swim. Now, I got to ask you, how scripted is that program? I'm guessing that they kind of have a script and, and you just kind of like get wild, or how does that work? You know what? More than you'd expect, actually. It was pretty scripted. I don't oh. think. In any of the stuff I did, there was barely any improv. There would be moments where the camera wouldn't be on and we'd try to work out a joke that maybe we didn't feel landed the way it should. But for the most part, you stick to the script. That, that, um, that was a dream for me being on that show because I love that show. And, oh, that's uh, awesome show. And David Wayne, who's one of the, 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 the creator producers of that show, uh, asked me to come on and, and do that episode. It was one of the, the best times I've had. All right. Well, you, you're on. You were on Silicon Valley. Also, you're semi-regular airing on HBO. You played what? What? Pied Piper's attorney, Ron LaFlame. Did, did you hang out in any firms in that area to get a feel for the part before going for the camera? No, but there's. A <laughs> yeah. No. What's funny is um, between that show and Superstore. I guess if you're on a popular show that, that covers like a specific industry, you start meeting all the people. Like when I was on Mad Men, the amount of people that came up to me and would say, you're not going to believe this, but I'm in advertising and I watch your show. And the same thing with Silicon, I hear from, from people who are in the technology industry all the time. And now with Superstore, if I go, like I went to Bed Bath & Beyond last night and you just, I constantly feel like everybody there is like, wait, isn't that the guy that plays like fake us on TV? Well, uh, at least they didn't ask you for any sales help, though, right? I mean, some no, people but, can't but, see the wall. No, I actually found myself helping the, the, the woman at the cash register scan items. I was with my wife, and we were buying things, and I kept grabbing boxes and holding barcodes up so that she could she could scan them. And I was like, what am I doing? Right. Well, um, well, Ben, you've, you've done the Broadway. Th I'm trying to do the rip through your whole career here. So you've done the Broadway <laughs> thing, you know, co-starring yeah. in The Graduate with Kathleen Turner and Alicia Silverstone. How are the craft services doing a play compared to a network series? A push or a big drop off doing theater? Uh, you know what? There aren't really crowds. Like, there's a. If you're on a TV show, you're just constantly getting fat. There's just food always at, at all times, especially if it's a big network like right. NBC and there's good food. Super. But the play, no, there's no. You get your own food. You show up. You eat your dinner. You do your play, and then you and then you get out. Unless it was someone's birthday, and in the graduate specifically, we always had pies instead of cakes, which was weird because Jason Biggs was in it, and he's known for for his work with pies. Yeah, so yeah it was a, a, that was a strange them. experience. Yeah. Uh, uh, but hey, free pies, I'll take it. I'm a, I definitely would take it. Yeah, All right. well, that's me, what I always say. Let me close <laughs> this interview with my stock question. What has been your most memorable moment, in, in your case, uh, showbiz? In, in showbiz, let's see. My most memorable moment. Um, I, you know what? I don't know. I think there was... Uh, there's been a lot. There's not been anything like super wild. Maybe the morning, there was a morning where I woke up at five in the morning and, and my publicist called and I had found out that I, she was calling to tell me that I was nominated for an Emmy. And uh, my wife and I didn't super. know what to do with ourselves because it was five in the morning. So we just went to Beverly Hills and ate like an overpriced breakfast because we thought that's what fancy Hollywood TV actors do. <laughs> yeah, man. That'd be pretty cool to have one of those fancy overpriced breakfasts. I'd, I'd love that. <laughs> All right. A lot of money for a bagel. So thanks a lot. We really appreciate you taking the time to call into the show. Well, thanks so much, and thanks for having me. It was good to talk to you. All right, super, Mr. Ben Feldman. Ben seems like such a nice guy. Too bad he had to sit through an interview with you, Spud. Listening to it now, I can only think about how much better the segment would have been if I had conducted it. You know, I have a real gift in making people feel comfortable and safe. Really? They often let their guard down and relive numerous incidents that may have caused them embarrassment or shame in their past. My mom said I was born to be a talk show host. Sadly, I have no interest in such a boring job like yours. So, I guess my talents in this area will just go to waste. Oh, your mother was right, Dave. You have a real gift of gab with everyone you come in contact with. They're drawn to your immense charisma. It can really be overpowering. Uh, you're talking about chance here. 
Seriously? Seriously. Oh, I can see how people might be drawn to chance. That is what I've experienced over the years. I seem to attract people like a magnet. They like me too, I guess. Uh, being liked is highly overrated. Um, can, can, can we move on here? I, I guess we're going to play a call-in we had uh, on this episode. Now, I need to say that, that the then young man who called in, uh, he had done so on a prior occasion, too. I think it was on our, our Christmas episode. Uh, well, uh, you know, he continued to allege on the air this time that, that I was his birth father. Uh, yeah, on both occasions... Eh, I'm going to be real honest. It was one of the most difficult conversations I've ever had with a caller. Uh, you know, our executive producer though, loved it, thought it was like great radio, but it kind of put me on the spot to say the least. I was, you know, I was pretty certain um, back then and, and still am that, that I wasn't his father as, as I am no Nick Cannon for God's sakes, you know, but it, it was a delicate situation. I wasn't around back in 2016, so I never got to meet this kid personally. Well, he's no kid anymore, but I was aware of this, well, this situation back then, as you called it, Spud. Your mother and I did have a few discussions about if you could be a decent dad, unlike the example of your father. I mean, he he was a nice kid. Yeah, Josh. Josh was his name, and he was a nice kid. But he's like a grown man now. Uh, but then, you know, he was still young enough where, where he could be crushed if I was his dad and rejected him. So, yeah, it was, it was tough, you know. I, I tried to be considerate, even though, you know, I knew I probably wasn't his real dad. If you know how I feel, why would you say that? You know, I remember this caller, and you're right, Spud, his name was Josh, and yeah. he was at the most important moment of his life, about to graduate from high school, and all he wanted was your approval. I so enjoyed it when he came to your mother's Christmas celebration back then. I was surprised that he showed up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay, fine, I agree. And, uh, and, and I didn't disapprove of him graduating. Jeez, you make me sound like a horrible person or something. Let's just play this segment and let our listeners make their own judgment of what they would have done if they were in my shoes. Dave, run it. Uh, actually, uh, Spud, uh, our interns working the phones are saying you really need to take the call that's holding for you. Well, really? It, it, now, it's that kid, Josh, who feels you're his dad. Oh. And oh. I, I know you say there's no chance that that's true, but he believes you are. And what if he's right? As his possible <laughs> dad, you need to at least say listen, hello and not reject the listen, call. Um, he, he seems like a nice young man, and when he has called in in the past, he hasn't asked for anything, like no back child support, yeah. no freebies from the radio station, not even a signed autograph from me. <laughs> so I have no problem speaking with him, but maybe after the show would be a better idea? Yeah, well, he thinks you won't yeah, call yeah. him back, and he's asking to say something to you now. He says it'll only take a second. Just take it. Uh, Fine, just put him through and make it quick. Josh, you there? What, what can I do for you? Is this about me getting a blood test again? Because if so, no can do. I still have that thing about needles. Yeah, I'm here, and I'm not calling about a blood test. So my mom wanted me to call and invite you to my high school graduation in June. Oh. She said I'd better ask you now before you say you're busy later. You're graduating? That, how, how old are you again? 17. I'll be 18 in July. You don't remember... Well, you know, I have a hard time remembering dates and stuff. So let me ask you, did, did your mom put you up to this? Um, I, if I remember right, her na name's Chris, Christine, correct? Christine is her name. Chris? Yeah. And my mom doesn't want anything from you. She just thought you, as my dad, would want to be there. I personally don't care. It's not like you were there for my first Little League game or when I won the seventh grade science fair, but, oh. you know, it was for best lava display, too. Yeah. Well, I, like, I had no idea who you were until a little over a year ago, okay? okay? And seriously, the only proof you have about me being your dad is secondhand information from your mom. I mean, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't want to sound, you know, I'm true, well, though, right? actually, that would be firsthand information as she was there at the time of conception, right? There are all kinds of perversions. You know, if you wanted to get technical, that would be correct if 
it was me who was with her at that moment. But as I told you before, I don't have a real recollection of your mom. I'm sure she's a wonderful woman and a great mom, but how can I admit to some I have no reason to believe is true? I don't want to, you know, I'm really sounding like a jerk to you guys, aren't I? Josh, Josh, this is what I was afraid of. If he is, in fact, your father... He is the kind of man who will step up and assume his responsibilities. He is no deadbeat dad. Look, my mom has a great job. She's like a manager or something. So money isn't a problem, okay? If you don't want me, to, if you don't want to come to my graduation, no big. I didn't say I'll that. I'll be the valedictorian speaker. Oh. I'll be the valedictorian speaker, and she thought wow. you should know just in case you wanted to hear me. Valedictorian. Hmm. So that means you had a great GPA. What was it? Can I, if I could ask? Yeah, better late than never. It was a 3.97. I got a yes. B minus in PE class my sophomore year. You know, I also had a tough time in PE class, um, especially when they played dodgeball because I still have like a semi-ruptured testicle from a direct nut shot. Uh, it, it was very <laughs> painful. Where, where, very you, painful. where are you going to go? Where are you going to college, Josh? Right now it's between Columbia, Stanford, and maybe Washington State. My mom went there, and she's a big-time cougar. Huh. You know I'm gonna let that go, even though um, you know it was teed up for you, but whatever for me or whatever. I'm just gonna let it go. So you know th- those those fancy schools are nice enough, but in-state tuition at WSU sounds to me like that's the way you gotta go here. It's way cheaper. I mean, come it, it, on, Spud. You can't make this kind of choice strictly about cost. An Ivy League school or Stanford would give Josh a big plus with a degree there. Well, yeah, I mean, I have a full ride academic scholarship offers. To those schools. So again, money isn't an issue. Good for you. That's great. That's very good <laughs> to hear. Well, you know, if I did have a son, I, I, I like to think he would be a high achiever too. I mean, can I ask if your mom's still single right now? I mean, I mean, I'm <laughs> saying, do you got any like pictures or um, current, she asked current me stuff? To keep her current. out of the conversation, but let's say she is not a lonely woman staying home on the weekend. So, okay. do you want an That's invitation or not? Okay. All right. Um. Put me down as an interested in going person. Spud, this is not Facebook here. Just take the invitation. Jeez. <laughs> okay, right. Fine. Okay. Well, send it to the station as I get most of my mail here, like bills and stuff, all right? Okay. I think I have the address. I got to go and study some more. I have a trick test tomorrow. Bye. All right. Bye. And th- thanks for calling. All right. Yeah, yeah, Spud, don't you feel better? You know, with that trigonometry class, I think that pretty much seals it. He's not my kid. Come on. <laughs> I mean, we're going to be right back in a second. Spud, do you have a relationship with Josh right now? I mean, currently? I've always been a bit afraid to ask you this question. Not really. I mean, we, we still occasionally text each other. He's like married now with a kid himself. I think he, he just started working at Microsoft. Yeah, we'll never know if I was actually his father at this point. Yeah, I mean, so much time has gone by. You know, I, I've given some thought, you know, of maybe sending him like a friend request on Facebook. Uh, no way anyone under 50 or so is still on Facebook, but maybe Josh's grandparents are, but not him. Good call, yo. Yeah, I have been noticing lately that a lot of the posts from my Facebook friends are about like RVs, uh, joint pain, and AARP discounts, that that kind of stuff. You know, I just tune them out as I'm not ready for those topics. (laughs) It was a bit unsettling to read about funeral notices and the births of great-grandchildren on my Facebook feed, so I deleted my account. Chance has me now on that TikTok site. It's a lot more interesting. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that, Aunt Dorothy, okay? But I stay on Facebook myself because it's nice to know when my friends do, like, kick the bucket. Because it's really tacky to wish some Facebook friend happy birthday, you know, when, when their birthday notices come through and they've, like, passed away years ago and nobody took down the account or whatever. So it, it just keeps me up to date. Yeah. Yeah, so let's now check out the final conversation in the studio for this episode. I think I brought up that I was going to get a new dog, and you know, we also learned uh, you, Gerald, sleep with cats in the nude, if I remember correctly. I really hope you're wrong on that, Spud. That is disgusting. 
You guys and I, I and my wife loved Binky and Minky. They were allowed to go wherever they wished, sort of sort of free-range cats in our house. And yes, their safe space was under the covers with each of us uh, each night. But, you know, who were we to judge? There are all kinds of perversions. Yeah, right. Uh, Dave, uh, roll the segment. You know, now with all this dog talk tonight, I'm for sure going to go get a new dog. I'm thinking tomorrow morning I'm going to hit the the shelters and find the ugliest mud I can find because I always seem to bond best with animals who who have faced some of the same hurdles I have in my life. I would get a dog too, but my little sissy's allergic to them. Every time one comes around our house, she just starts sneezing uncontrollably. Uh, can cats be allergic to dogs? Aren't they usually the sneeze initiators? Uh, mine is, so a dog is out of the question. You know, I myself have experienced a bit of an allergy reaction to our cats, Binky and Minky, but, you know, love conquers all. You love those cats enough to suffer through sneezing, swollen eyes, and a runny nose 24-7? Well, you must be a cat person. Well, I do care very much for Binky and Minky, but... That, you know, they're the center of my wife, Rachel's world. She loves those cats so much, so I deal with it. I mean, she lets them sleep between us in bed each night. Ew. Which is jack what you're saying. It's often a bit too intimate given that I retire in the nude. Ew. Seriously? You know, I'm going to have to work to delete that image off my mental hard drive now. Thanks well, a lot. I love my sissy, but there's no way she sleeps in the sheets with Cameron and I. I mean, that's a bit much, Gerald. Yeah, what can I say? It's really not my call. Well, changing the subject here. Gina, when I close the show tonight, could you give me a rousing laugh or two? We need to leave the listeners on an up note. I, I don't expect applause or anything, but just not dead air when I say goodnight. Yeah, sure. I can give you a rousing laugh or two. Yeah, I, I could join in too, Spud. I'm here for no, you. No, no. I, I still can't get that image of you nude in bed with Binky and Minky. It <laughs> creates all sorts of really inappropriate and disturbing scenarios. Uh, So no, Gina will handle it. I'm sorry I volunteered that, Spud. My bad. Yeah, you're bad. Right. You know, it's quite possible that you mentioning the intimate sleeping habits of you, uh, your wife, and those two cats may have violated some kind of federal law. There has to be one about, you know, what goes on in your bedroom. Oh, nonsense. A lot of people let their cats sleep with them at night. I just prefer not to wear pajamas or or other garments in bed. It's not a big deal, Spud. Well, I own a cat, and I can say now that after our wedding, when Chance does move into my place, my Chester will not be allowed in our bedroom. It's just not right. Well, you don't even sleep in that magic underwear, Gerald? Uh, whatever, but thank you, Dorothy. Even after we are married, if I told my mom that we sleep with cats, she might make me move back home. I tell her as little as possible about our sex life. Stop being weak! Uh, smart move, I, I guess. You know, because no parent wants the like the four one one, uh, the, just the inside stuff about their kids' sex lives. It's just, it's just too much icky information. Okay, okay. C- can I make a point here before we sign off? Our cats are not involved in my sex life with my wife. You guys, come on! You've blown this totally out of proportion. Uh, just another reason why I'm a dog person, dude, that they never want to get under the covers with you at night. I mean, yeah, yeah, they'll jump on the bed, but, you know, they have their own boundaries on what is okay and, and what is freaky behavior. Cats seem to me to be, you know, much more open to, you know, I don't know, deviant behavior. Well, you, Spud, it's not the cat who should be held responsible. It's the owner's who need to understand some basic standards in our society. Yeah, all right. This is the last time I participate in discussions about family pets. I've learned my lesson here. I gotta admit the truth. It turned me on. Then some good has come from this revelation, you know, of your hideous behavior in the bedroom, okay? Why don't we end this thing on that note? It's a teaching lesson for our listeners, so I guess, you know, they can thank you, Gerald. Yeah, whatever. Okay, then. I am Spud Goodman. Be all that you can be, and I mean that. God bless and ciao. Bye-bye. And now I am out of here as I have most of an extra large Domino's pizza waiting for me at my apartment. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my neighbor gave it to me this morning, and, you know, I, I guess because he started to eat it last night before he, he began to, like, uh, I don't know, 
totally vomit through the night. That's what he said. It, it was sounded gross, but anyway. It, but but here's the key thing. He said it wasn't the pizza. It was the breadsticks he ordered with it. So anyway, I'm out of here. Later. The Spud Goodman Radio Show is written and directed by Spud Goodman. Executive producer, Lori Madsen. Produced by David Brenneman of Rosedale Audio Productions. Original music by Michael Spots and Tom Harmon. Video director, T.J. Pites. On-air talent, Rob McGee, Annie Coleman, and Tom Nolan. Production assistants, Trent Botello and Carrie Coleman. Spud's Greek chorus is The Folk Singers in Hell. Live music production and broadcast engineering by Mike Renville at the facilities of NWCZ Radio. Promotional services and support provided by Big Freak Media, Seattle's only rock and roll publicist. Opinions expressed on this show do not reflect those of the station, the sponsors, or any living person except Spud Goodman. Copyright 2016 Spud Goodman Productions. David Brenneman speaking. This is London. Tonight, London is a city of song and celebration and thanksgiving. There are fireworks and parties. Air raid shelters are as remote as the covered wagon. Many words have been spoken and much drink has been consumed. London has been somewhat hysterical and still is. The organized killing has ended in Europe. The young men of many nations have suffered, sacrificed, and achieved victory. The coming months and years will reveal what will be done with that victory? I think that English children lack a real motivational force in their learning. I'm a French teacher and at home if I asked, you know, I was teaching a French lesson, a child didn't want to learn French, you'd say, but I'll never go to France, I won't ever need it. And I get the same answer, the same response here, I'll never go to France. I can't really imagine why anybody would say it. You know, to me, it seems such an incredible sort of sentence. I've been in London for two months now. The fact that it is a big commercial city as well as a cultural center fascinates me. I wish I can stay longer here so that I can visit all the places which I like to go, such as the museums, castles, zoos, parks, and theaters. But there's the old saying that home is the best place in the world it is true. I begin to miss my relatives and friends in Hong Kong. But I think perhaps it's probably sort of a result of the society they live in. In Australia, it's a fairly egalitarian society and your qualification is your passport to success. Where here, it's sort of either family or money or both. And you go to the school depending on your money or family. And the school means that you go to university, etc. And it's sort of your success line is already mapped out before you begin. And so why the heck, when you're starting at the bottom, why can try and struggle to the top? Whereas at home, everybody starts on a par. For nearly a thousand years, England has never seen the campfires of an invader. It is indeed with a pang of stabbing pain that we see all this in mortal danger. A thousand years scarce serve to form a state. An hour may lay in the dust. What shall we do? Inside the Spud Goodman Radio Show Podcast, copyright 2024, Spud Goodman Productions.